an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister, and we've got uh, Kevin Wilson here with us as well. Howdy. Hey, and uh, just for those of you who are listening on the live stream, I think we're struggling a little bit with Skype, so you might not be able to see Kevin, uh, but he is, in fact, here virtually. Uh, we are practicing appropriate social distancing. Yes. I am here, just imagine me, devilishly handsome, in my Bills hats, just just visualize that in your mind. That's what everyone's doing on the radio anyway. You can't, you don't have the privilege of being able to see me, but just, just imagine I'm sitting here in my Buffalo Bills hat, uh, in a craft beer hoodie, you know, just chilling. That is, that is the look that you guys are missing out on Radio Land, uh, but, but it's there, it's there. There, there you go, yep, yep. <laughs> Um, so we've, we've actually got a lot to talk about today. Um, hopefully we'll get to everything we, we've got, uh, I'll, I'll run through some of the topics for you guys. That way, uh, you know, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about, uh, the potential of drive-in theaters opening up and, um, kind of people asking the question of, well, if drive-in theaters are okay, does that mean drive-in church services are okay? Um, then we're also going to talk about uh, whether or not upstate hospitals are going to be filing bankruptcy over COVID-19. And uh, if we make it down there, we're going to talk about the Rochester crime crisis because uh, coronavirus has not slowed down violent crime in the city of Rochester at all. Um, so, so that's, that's what we're going to talk about. But before we talk about that, I do want to give you guys some of the numbers from COVID-19 up to date as of today, uh, New York state now has over nine or over 195,000 cases. And that makes up about 40% of the confirmed cases in the United States. Now I I've been saying this all along, but I'll say it again, just in case this is the first time you're hearing it. It's very possible uh, well, A, New York State has a large population, so us us having a lot of cases makes sense. Um, it's also possible that a lot of other states are not testing anywhere near the level that we are in New York. Actually, it's not even just possible. That is currently the case. New York State is testing more than any other state. Um, so whether or not we really make up 40% of the cases in the United States or not, um, is kind of questionable because I there's probably a lot of other people that have it that just haven't been tested and confirmed. Um, one of the things that, that is worth mentioning, though, um, in New York, our death toll is now over 10,000. Um, and nationwide, the death toll um, from coronavirus has hit 24,000. 
the reason that number is kind of important is because that is actually on the low end of the estimate that the CDC has for deaths of the common flu as of October. So coronavirus is now approaching the a number of deaths estimated for the flu. The, the deaths estimated for the flu is um, kind of interesting. They've estimated 20,000 to a high end of 60,000. I don't know if that's they're projecting that there will be 60,000 deaths from this year's flu. Um, I, I'm not sure why there's such well, a big discrepancy, but those numbers came right off the CDC website. So it's not like, uh, you know, fake share from some Facebook meme or something. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's just hard to track some of this stuff. Like, you know, okay, did they did they die of the flu? Would they die of there just not as much urgency to check this type of thing? Uh, like there, there kind of is with coronavirus and, and trying to attribute uh, everything appropriately. Um, and it's just hard to model, too. And it's, it's going to be interesting because usually this time of year is when we see a sharp decrease in flu. Um, but we're still seeing some coronavirus cases. Uh, so it's, it's going to be tough to, to know what's going to happen in the warmer summer months if everything kind of drops off suddenly or if it's still going to continue on. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see um, if the season really just kind of makes us disappear or if it's going to continue to carry on. Um, but I think it's an important thing to discuss and talk about, and, and we will talk about this when we talk about hospital bankruptcies, that we've essentially shut down our economy for a virus that has maybe been about the same as the flu in in terms of deaths no nope no that's not what's happening no no i mean all right so think about it this virus has been here for a couple months we've yep. seen twenty four thousand deaths over the course of the year a flu may see sixty thousand deaths and the twenty four thousand deaths comes with a, a lot of a lockdown so i to say it's the same as the flu is is not quite accurate it may turn out to be a little bit closer than we think because modeling is tough and nearly impossible to do uh, in this situation. But um, yeah, I saying it's it's just like the flu is a bit misleading. No, not not saying that, uh, that it's the same as the flu. Saying that we we have similar numbers to the flu. Um, so, so if that happens and, and absolutely, you know, account for social distancing, account for some of that stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, I think everybody's going to be asking that question. If the final numbers from the flu end up being higher, maybe by a significant number, maybe not. Um, I think people are definitely going to be asking the question, um, the, the same question the same type of question these hospitals are probably asking right now um, who are saying they're basically empty. They were told to clear their beds, you know, stop non-elective surgeries because they were going to be overrun with coronavirus cases. Um, and they're sitting here now contemplating filing for bankruptcy. I, I think that we're going to have a lot of questions if, uh, if the season does change, if the weather changes and coronavirus drops right off, um, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of questions and I don't know if a lot of the people who have, you know, been out of work and if their businesses shut down, if they're going to feel that the government action was appropriate or not. Yeah. Um, 
that's no, and, and that's a fair question to ask, right? Like, did we did we overdo it? And and I think it's the goofy part is is if it actually works the way that our less than trustworthy governments say that it does, then you know it's it's going to make people think that, and and it's going to be kind of hard to to tell. Yeah, no, for sure. And and you know it's it's funny because Cuomo for the last three days um, <laughs> has now come forward and said. Well, we trusted the experts, and they've been wrong about everything. So <laughs> I don't know if this is the beginning of the backpedaling on the policies taken forth or not. Um, I, I kind of feel like that's not the case because the policies appear to still be advancing forward. But there is now a lot more talk about opening up businesses, getting people back to work, moving forward on this sort of stuff so that the economy can start rolling forward. Yeah. We're making a nice confederacy of uh, northern states uh, to yep, try to yep. open the economy forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, so the, this whole process is, is pretty interesting. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see if they actually lighten things up or not. Um, I, I missed, I guess Cuomo did a conference call with the governors live yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't get a chance to see that. I don't know if you got a chance to see that, Kevin. I, I caught the highlights. Uh, mostly, it's like we have a plan to make a plan. <laughs> mm, government, they love making yeah. Plans. Always, always look like you're doing something, even if it's just having a meeting. Sure. Yeah. No. Absolutely. All right. Very good. Um, so I've actually got some of the comments that are coming in, and I say, wow, there is a lot of comments in here. So I'll give a shout out to a couple people here. It looks like Sean's in here, Drew's in here, Garrett's in here, um, and, and a couple uh, Chris is in here. Um, one of the things Garrett says, he says, uh, they did drive in church for Easter, and as far as he knows, it's okay legally. And, and that, I think, is, is the question that is coming up because churches haven't been deemed essential services. They've, they've been removed. So the question is, if the pastor shows up for quote-unquote work, um, is the church breaking the law? That is the same, um, the same argument that was used against allowing drive-in theaters to operate and Cuomo has now suggested that maybe drive-in theaters can operate. And will they adjust that? And will they change that? Um, people are starting to ask, will the same thing happen with churches? So we're going to go ahead and take our break here on Radio Free New York. And we'll discuss that topic when we come back. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. I've got uh, Kevin Wilson here on the line with us as well. And uh, today is our talk of the town. Um, today is Tuesday, in case you're uh, not keeping track and wish you could. Um, but <laughs> here we are. So uh, down in Tennessee, there is a pastor protesting the fact that liquor stores are allowed to be open, but churches aren't. 
and uh, that that to me is is kind of an interesting um, an interesting thing. I I hadn't really thought about the two, you know. And of course, his statement is that the liquor stores are evil, um, and that we're closing down the house of God. But I I think that that's a a topic worth at least touching on a little bit. What well, what are your thoughts, Kevin? Yeah, I mean I. I definitely think that the liquor store should be open. I think more stuff should kind of be open. But the the issuing the, the closing down churches thing, I, I get why that bugs people. It's probably not a good idea to do an in person service right now. But I did see one case uh, in Mississippi where doing a drive in service was shut down by local police, and, and people were issued five hundred dollar tickets uh, for attending this drive in service where you're in your car, where you're not interacting with anyone. Like what? Yeah, how does that make any sense? Yeah, no, I, I don't think that makes any sense whatsoever. So I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Kevin. I'm thinking, okay, liquor stores, uh, probably, unfortunately, for you know the the pastor and and the church and population at large, um, probably pose a significant, a significantly less risk. I, I don't know actually. I it's going to depend and vary liquor store by liquor store. You know. Are they limiting how many people can come in? Are people touching the bottles? Are they, you know, sanitizing the door frames? You, you, you know, yeah. like all, all that stuff. Are they taking proper um, protocol to to keep people safe? Um, versus a church is normally pretty densely packed. People are pretty close to each other. Um, so logically speaking, it seems that a church would put people at higher risk. But this idea that you couldn't do a drive-in service to me um is is wild i mean the in that you would then find people for that um i i believe that there there's going to be a a a lawsuit for sure actually i think i found a lawsuit um i didn't get to read everything but I, I did see um, from ABC News, Justice Department to probe restrictions placed on religious gatherings to curb coronavirus. Um, and I, I believe that this is going to go um, beyond drive-in church services. I, I believe that this will look at the idea of people saying that you can't peacefully assemble and worship um, and whether or not that's a constitutional violation and a civil liberties violation. Yeah, I mean, and I think you'd have pretty good standing for that. I know, well, I mean, maybe, who knows? Uh, for, from what I, I've read on the internet from, you know, internet armchair experts is that like general orders kind of have to be uh, obeyed. Like it, it just can't apply specifically to any organization. Like you can't specifically say like, nope, church ain't allowed, but this other type of gathering is allowed. Um, so, you know, maybe in those type of situations, it would be all right. But, you know, like the the driving church thing is what kills me the most. It's just like that is an activity that like anyone who uses an ounce of common sense would say, like, this is probably pretty safe. And and same with things like opening up uh, car washes or opening up movie the driving theaters. Like, yeah, you're not next to each other. It's, you know, you, you can roll up your windows, too. This seems fine. Why Why is the government being petty and cracking down on things that, that people need an outlet for. People want entertainment. People want community. People want to, to go to church and uh, hear the word of God. Why shouldn't they be able to, to do that freely in a way that's pretty safe? 
I, I don't know. Yeah. I, like it, I, when you when you put government in charge of these things, this is what you get. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I think what we're seeing now is I think that there were a lot of people when they were putting things together, they were they were frantic. They were worried. They they asked the health experts and said, how do we get things under control? What do we do? And the health experts probably said, well, keep people apart, you know, shut down things are non-essential, do, do this and that. Um, and they just kind of went with it and said, yeah, no, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And I, I think that we expect kind of like a quick reaction to be incorrect. I, I think most people would say, you know what, a quick, rapid first response um, is probably well-intentioned, but wrong. But we're not we're not in the beginning of this anymore. I mean, we're like 30 days deep at this point. Um, and I would, I would like to see governments take a step back, assess and go, Hey, you know what? We told, um, restaurants, they could stay open and because they were essential, but they could only do takeout. And, you know, I've gone through a couple drive throughs and there's people packed like sardines in there, working elbow to elbow, preparing food that they're then distributing to the general public. Um, so there's no social distancing happening there at all. And they're the ones handing food out to you that's then going to go to your family. So I, I would think that government would, would kind of take a step back, assess the situation, and go, okay, so this has happened these are people that are commonly around each other you know and and assess that and then yeah you look at things like church services and you say yeah why why would we restrict a drive-in theater setup or a drive-in sermon um same thing with with a lot of other things i think that there are a lot of things shut down right now that post very minimal risk um, probably a lot less risk than six people huddled together making your food before they hand it to you. Um, that government's just kind of, I, I want to say being willy-nilly about it, but maybe um, being more restrictive than necessary would be one way to describe yeah. it. Well, I mean, to a lot of people, it feels arbitrary, right? Like there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, and that, you know, governments are acting in strange ways to restrict liberties based on uh, an abundance of caution or uh, a perception of safety or just because they don't like certain businesses. Uh, and that that's how it kind of feels that, you know, I, and again, my, 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 inclination is there uh is to try to get as many of these businesses open as possible and to let businesses set safety standards for themselves to be able to uh, protect their employees and their customers um I, I don't know why we we can't do that yeah yeah i think another one that comes up uh, a local example is the royal car wash got an yeah. exemption as uh being deemed essential and the the reason for it uh was maybe a stretch in my opinion and i think it i think it made people angry because they they probably felt that way you know they basically applied and said well you know the police need clean cars so we're essential and new york state granted that to them and and so they're open yeah. they're allowing car washes and i think a lot of people looked at that skeptically and said is that really essential yeah, no, I did see that, and I was like, "What? What, what a what an interesting reason." They said, "No, no, it's for uh, essential workers. It's for first responders. They need to wash their cars, so like we should let them wash their cars for safety because people are 
getting stuff on the cars and touching the cars. So it's important that they're sanitary. Um, but but I, I kind of agree. I mean, I just think that more car washes should be open too. a lot of them operate like, uh, you know, they have one person who like fills the soap and make sure the machines work all right. And, and that's it. It's, it's all you need. Why? Why can't that business operate? So more car washes should be able to operate. I, as long as the people are, are far apart, who cares? Yeah, and I, I've been to Home Depot a handful of times, and I would say taking your car through a car wash is significantly less risk than going to a store to pick up groceries or, or going to a hardware store to get something to do a repair. Um, so I, I do think that there, there's, like, maybe not a rubric being followed or, or something. Something's just not right where you go into a place and you're like, wow, this place seems really high risk versus you go somewhere else that's shut down that seems extremely low risk. Yeah. It, it does feel very arbitrary, um, and so it feels like actually, the risk isn't being assessed. Let, let me address it. I, I will say at least New York isn't as dumb as Michigan, which is... Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, so you, you've seen this where, where they're saying, like, okay, Walmart can be open. They just can't sell non-essential items. They can't sell oh, flags. Yeah. They can't sell seeds. Yeah. They can't sell paint. They, they've... So now they've blocked off these sections where you just can't buy certain things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. New York kind of has that. Um, it's just not really being enforced. And, and we could talk about that Good. when we come back from the break. Uh, so, guys, you are listening to Radio Free New York. And uh, we're going to take our break here. We'll be back in a moment. listening to Radio Free New York. Yeah. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Radio Free New York. I think Andrew just got kicked off the air a little bit, so it's just me for now. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us here on WYSL, where we are live noon to one. Uh, and if you want to participate in the conversation, of course, give us a call, 585-346-3000. Give us a call. Or if you're listening to us on the stream, uh, send us a message. We'd love to talk about uh, what's on your mind. And, uh, yeah, no, uh, Garrett says you know, both can be open responsibly in some respect. Uh, same for the vast majority of businesses. Uh, give them the best info and recommendations and let them adapt. And, and, and really, that's... Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too, Garrett, is that I, I want to be able to, I, I think businesses have the best interest of their customers and their employees in mind, and, and they want to be able to protect them, but they also want to make a living and they want to be able to offer these services to their community too. Again, we're, we're seeing huge disruptions in food supply chains and, and material supply chains. And I think some of the, uh, the the governors in the Northeast and everywhere else are starting to recognize, like, man, like, 
this is going to cause huge, devastating, years-long problems if we don't find ways to get people back to work and find a good balance for uh, opening up the economy versus protecting people from the virus. And I, and I think, you know, again, it's, it's not dismissing the seriousness of the virus, but it is about protecting people. We need to do that. Um, it's incredibly important that we do so. Andrew, you back on, buddy? I, I hope so. We'll we'll see here. Um, All right, awesome. I, I might be having some internet issues over here. I know a couple people mentioned on the live stream that the audio was breaking up, so that, that might be on my end. I apologize about that. Um, yeah. So one of the things I, you know, Kevin and I talked over the break before I got uh, disconnected here. Um, in in terms of New York, how they're handling that, that they're nowhere near as bad as Michigan right that's that's pretty yeah. crazy you know roping off the aisles and stuff um but we thought what, that made sense yeah yeah of course i mean some some just overzealous power hungry government official i'm sure um but in new york technically if part of your business is non-essential and part of your business is essential you're supposed to shut down the non-essential part of your business or allow those people to work from home. Um, I don't think that's being enforced at all. It's not really being mentioned very much. Um, it is in the executive order, but you know, it's not really being pushed. Yeah. So. I mean, that's good. You know, it's like if you're, if it's one of those things where you have to be there anyway and, and people are around, like, why would you shut down that part of the business? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's ridiculous, and I think that we've really measured things incorrectly based on we, we looked at the essentialness of things, but we didn't look at the risk factor for things, and I think that's really where we're missing out here. Yeah. Um, but then, I I want to hit something that that you brought to my attention, Kevin, and I will definitely let you take the lead on this. Um, looks like some upstate hospitals are really really struggling because of coronavirus, and some are even talking about filing for bankruptcy if they don't get a bailout. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a heck of a thing. Um, you know, I first started seeing this in a, a few other states, too. Um, but in New York State, you know, what the governor did was say that the, the hospitals need to shut down what's considered an elective surgeries, right? Which, if I'm understanding everything correctly, is essentially every non-emergency like surgery. Like, if it's not a life or death issue, they're, they're shutting it down and they're postponing these surgeries. Uh, the, the problem with doing that is, it, it, and, and there's a good reason for that, right? So I'll stop and say that. Like, the reason they want to do that is they're worried that there would be a huge influx of cases and they would need that hospital space for corona patients right who would need uh high intensive cares and hospital beds and all that type of stuff so so they had they were well intentioned with this but they shut down all these elective uh surgeries and the thing is that a lot of hospitals kind of depend on the revenue that comes from those elective surgeries to to keep their doors open so without people getting you know like their knee surgery or their foot surgery or the nose surgery or whatever it is or even some like non-life-threatening like uh like tumor removals things like that these hospital beds uh, are actually not filled to their normal capacity. They're filled far below where they normally would be at this time of year. Um, and so you get like a St. Joseph's Health System in Syracuse is furloughing 500 employees. Uh, Oswego Health um, 
is furloughing 25% of its staff. It says it's losing $180,000 a day. Uh, Cuga Medical Center is, is furloughing workers. Krauss Hospital in Syracuse. I, I'm reading from the Syracuse one because they did a really good article on that. Um, so they, they sent home um, 154 employees without pay, and they say they're on track to lose $20 million by the end of June. So this unintended consequence of saying, like, no, you can't do any of this stuff, regardless of what the conditions on the ground in your area are, you can't do any of these elective surgeries. Now suddenly our hospitals are less staffed and, and hospital staff are losing jobs, and they may end up with fewer resources to be able to effectively combat uh, the coronavirus itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting because um, Dr. Evelyn, who is the vice president of Cuga Medical Center in Ithaca, um, he, he said the the hospitals are going to be forced to close unless they're, the federal government steps in and comes in with like a huge bailout for them, um, which is very contrary to what Cuomo has been saying during his addresses. He's saying, oh, yeah, the federal government keeps talking about sending money to the hospitals, but they're the ones making all the money right now. Um, and that might be the case in New York City, but that's yeah. definitely not the case with these upstate hospitals are experiencing. They're they're running pretty bare bones. It sounds like. Yeah, they're they're having to shut stuff down. It's it's a ridiculous way of doing things. And and I think if we look at this situation, it really paints the dangers of uh, central planning because Governor Cuomo doesn't totally understand this stuff. He doesn't understand how these hospitals work. Like he doesn't get that like their revenue and keeping their lights on and keeping their staff employed and having the best resources possible is dependent on, you know, offering these medical services that people need. And when they say elective surgery, you know, like it's it's not life or death in the moment, but it's still pretty darn important to people's quality of life. This isn't just like, you know, a vanity nose job thing. It's just, you know, it's, it's someone's ability to like walk. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. The, the other um, thing that's pretty interesting about this that I think is that before COVID-19, um, 13 of the 15 fastest growing jobs in central New York were in healthcare. And now <laughs> these people are being furloughed. They're being sent home without pay. Um, it, you know, the hospital's losing all this money. And uh, I mean, even the colleges all last year, I remember seeing ads like get a degree in nursing. This is, healthcare is the most rapid growing um, sector right now. And, and now these people don't have jobs. Uh, and who knows what this is going to look like when this is all done? You know, are we going to end up with a situation where a lot of people in the medical field end up being um, in, in a bad spot where that industry is now behind and maybe doesn't have as many jobs as it used to? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a ridiculous way to, to have to operate. Uh, again, you know, like these hospitals were, were kind of growing, thriving systems. You may have seen like some drop off. I, I imagine some people don't want to be in a hospital right now anyway, right? Like if they can put off something, maybe they would anyway. But again, it underscores the importance of why we need a regional approach to this too. Because like the situation in Syracuse or Rochester or Buffalo is, is different enough where maybe like, okay, they this hospital system needs to set aside like 50% of beds or something to, to be able to... Uh, combat a potential surge in coronavirus but like new york city maybe needs to, to to pull out all the stops and do everything but like utica like can 
can only set aside like 10% of beds or something and, and everything else can kind of operate a little bit more normally. Like it's, and I know these situations can change quick, but like, my goodness, like I think hospital systems who understand what their capabilities and capacities are should be making these decisions, not a faraway government in Albany or even worse, Washington. Why? And it, and it blows my mind that, that people look at the situation and like, yeah, wow, what a mess. You know what we need? We need uh, government-run health care. Why? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Government's mandates are now putting us in a situation where hospitals might file for bankruptcy and shut down while people are asking government to run health care. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But I think the most important thing is what you said about regions. Um, because yeah, what does somebody 300 or a thousand miles away know about your rural community and what the needs are and what your capacity is and what makes your bottom line? And the answer is simply they don't. All right, guys, you're listening to radio free New York. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister. I've got Kevin Wilson here with me. We're doing our talk of the town, and the town that we are talking about is my hometown, city of Rochester. Well, uh, turns out people staying at home, people social distancing, although I think there's a big question about whether or not people are really social distancing, um, doesn't seem to have changed the crime rates here in Rochester. And I, I didn't see anything that indicated that it has increased, but it also is not going down. Um, so I, I don't even know what to make of this, Kevin. I mean, Kevin, do you have any thoughts? Like, uh, people are just going to commit crime either way, and all this virus stuff doesn't have any impact mm. on it? Or what, what do you think? Criminal's going to criminal. I mean, like, we... <laughs> If you if what well, if you're not obeying the law in the first place, like what, what why start now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and you know that kind of goes to the a common argument that you know I think goes between Second Amendment folks and the anti-gun lobby, where the anti-gun lobby is like, no, oh, we'll just make things illegal, and you know, gun owners are like, yeah, but if people are breaking the law, they're gonna keep breaking the law, and uh, you know, I don't know that we could consider this scientific evidence of it um but it sure looks that way yeah so so stuff's still happening um you know and i again i i'm not expecting anyone to who who wants to do ill who wants to do harm uh who wants to pursue a legal activity for personal gain well they're they're not going to stop that now um and i and i don't think any threats of like well if you're you're gathering we're going to call the police i don't think that's really going to scare most people i think if you if you have the good sense to be like oh i i don't want to get sick or i don't want to get my family sick like you you know maybe i'll deter you a little bit but for the people who don't care about that and and want to go out and do what they're going to do they're, they're going to keep doing that they're not going to let the threat of police scare them because they're already living with that if, if that's the type of person you are and i don't think that's most people I, I don't think it's like a big crime wave in the city or anything but there's just some people it's they're not going to care yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I, before I saw this story, um, saw this video that apparently was taken down from Facebook. 
Um, I'm not sure if Facebook took it down or the original poster took it down, um, but somebody saved it, and it ended up on a, a media site um, of what looked like well over 100 people gathering together on Sunday, um, like on the streets in Rochester. And I, I didn't know what was going on until later I saw um, the article about the vigil that happened on Sunday um, from somebody who's a shooting victim. And uh, the the only reason I knew what it was is because I recognized the balloons on the street corner. And the, there, I think there's a lot of questions that come up with this. The, the first is, like, these people were packed really, really densely together. Um, there, were, there was definitely a, a heavy pre police presence there. You saw RPD cars driving by. You saw RPD officers on foot. Um, so you see this whole entire thing, and the first thing that I thought was, I wasn't sure if this video was actually recent or not, because yeah, I, I nobody was too. social distancing really. There were very few people with any type of masks on, and I was like, uh, is somebody sharing this? And and like this video is like not real. I I, I thought it yeah, was. You're like, all right, fake news. fake news Friday. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I thought I was looking at fake news, and then and as the camera goes, I see like one or two people wearing a surgical mask, and I'm like, all right. So before coronavirus is pretty rare for somebody to you know be wearing a surgical mask in public, and then sure enough, later I see the news story to confirm it. Um, one of the things that I thought was kind of strange was the mayor said, well, we didn't stop this because people were peacefully assembling, which seemed to be very much in direct conflict with what we talked about earlier in the show where, like, churches and stuff are being told they can't have gatherings. Um, yeah. And she's like, well, you know, the community needs this. They were peacefully assembling, so we allowed it to happen um, purposefully. And, and it just seemed very, once again, arbitrary. It seemed inconsistent with what we've been hearing from the government, seeing from the government, um, and that they kind of decided to take this action. And then they followed it up with, but in the future, we're not letting this happen anymore. Yeah. And <laughs> it just it's, feels strange. Oh. No, it's a, a strange response, I thought, too. It's, you know, again, I, I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing for the police to have not like gone in and arrested a bunch of people or something. You know, I like I, I don't think that's the right response to like any type of gathering. Um, and you know, again, you when, when you call the police on a gathering like that, you, you're kind of inviting like the potential for violence and financial hardship. You know, like when when you know you're, you're asking the police to, to use force to to you know remove you from a situation. I try to look at this and I I, I have empathy. You know, I understand that that people are grieving and they're upset. You probably shouldn't do that, though. It's a bad idea. It's a it's a strange response for the mayor to be like, "This was fine." Like she probably this she pro she probably should have said, "Well, this wasn't okay." I, it's understandable that people reacted in this way, but like also, really shouldn't be doing that. Uh, it's a it's a bad plan, and she kind of gets that later. Like, oh, we'll use the police to break it up later. Uh, it's uh it's a weird thing. And then the the story mostly became how. Um, uh, Jose uh, Pio responded to it, which was um, to say that uh, black leaders need to speak out more forcefully against this type of thing. Uh, and we can we can share the link of what he actually said that that's, you know, the the summary, the generous summary uh, of what he said. But but people roasted him for that. Yeah, um, I, I did see that. Um, I saw 
he he wrote like an apology on his uh, Facebook page. I, I didn't know what it was about. It sounds like it was probably about that. Yeah. Um, I, I think though there's there's maybe one other thing about this that that rubs me the wrong way. Um, and and for me, it's it's not about race or anything like that. But last week, the police were dispatched to the beach to disperse a crowd of people. Yeah. So you know that that happened last week. Um, in this situation, the mayor said she even drove through the vigil herself um, to see what was going on, but they they kind of allowed it. So uh, you know, it's to me, I I think that people should be allowed to assemble peacefully and and government shouldn't be involving force to to disperse that um but i think people need to be responsible um as well and once again as long as you know what the risk is and you're a consenting adult consenting to that risk um do what you want with your body yeah but i got the impression that people maybe don't fully understand the risk and maybe weren't in a situation where they could truly consent to that. Yeah, that's understandable. And again, you, you, not for nothing, but you do have the First Amendment too. You have the right to assemble. Well, if the First Amendment doesn't give you that, you have that intrinsically. But, you know, you have a right to assemble. You should understand the risk associated with that. And again, you, you probably shouldn't go out to a large gathering of people right now. Um, again, it's understandable, but uh, not not a wise mood. But, but, but I think what, what people expect from their governments too is consistency, right? Like... I think people get uh, upset if if one group it's fine and another group like they 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 get uh, busted up by the police. Um, and I think it's fair to expect like all right if you're if you're going to prevent one gathering like then prevent another or if you're going to allow some gatherings then just la- allow everything right. So why why choose one and not the other? Yeah, no, I agree, and I think that's that's really the root of the issue here is the inconsistency from government. You know, people. Whether I like it or not, whether you like it or not, people look to the government for leadership. And and many people look to the government, unfortunately, as the truth in the situation. And when government is not consistent for them and they allow some things but not others and it's not clear or transparent as to why that happened, um, I, I think that creates mass confusion and creates problems, especially in a time right now where our rights are literally being trampled on. And then it's like, well, sometimes it's okay for you to have your rights, but um, other times we're going to trample on them and there's no consistent rhyme or reason to it. Um, I, I think they really got to get it together. Yeah. And that's how you start to get people who uh, start resisting, start breaking, you know, the protocols that you're hoping people do, even if there's a good reason for them. And uh, then you end up with greater problems and trying to enforce those rules becomes that much harder. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right, guys, you're listening to Radio Free New York. We'll be back same time, same place tomorrow. <laughs>